0: Do you struggle with self-control when it comes to your online behavior? If so, Plucky might be the filter you need. With Plucky, you decide ahead of time which sites are safe for you, and then Plucky locks in your settings to keep you from self-sabotaging in a moment of temptation. It's a self-control filter that helps your long-term intentions win out over your short-term compulsions. Take courage, take control, get Plucky. To learn more, visit PluckyFilter.com. That's plucky, P L U C K Y filter.com. Good day, listeners. Jonathan Darty here with another edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. Thousands of men over the past 20 years have reached out to our ministry to get help in overcoming unwanted sexual behaviors. Our desire is to help them experience long term freedom, not merely short term abstinence. So, what are the keys to long term freedom from unwanted behaviors? Our guest is Jason Martinkus. He's the founder and president of Redemptive Living, a coaching and speaking ministry helping men find freedom from sexual integrity issues and marriages find redemption beyond betrayal. Jason has 19 years of personal sexual sobriety, so he has walked the walk. In this episode, we talk about key principles of freedom from unwanted sexual behaviors, such as humility, confession, authentic community, and more. Principles that are vital for both short-term and long-term freedom. To learn more about Jason and his ministry, visit RedemptiveLiving.com. For more resources, visit BeBroken.org or check out links in today's show notes. And would you please rate and review the podcast after listening to it, because this really does help others to find it. Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken Ministries, and Be Broken's mission is to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. Now let's dive into today's conversation with Jason. Well, all right. Jason Martinkus, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on. Glad to be here. Yeah, you know, um, you're a familiar face, even though we haven't seen each other in a long time. But, uh, you know, we kind of go way back a little bit in terms of this space of ministry. And uh, that's where I'd love to start is just you talking about kind of your story and how you got involved in what you're doing now. And just a little bit about what you are doing now in the space of ministry.
1: Yeah, um, boy, how to make a how to make a long story short, right? Um, yeah, so uh, I, I'll try to give you the the narrative. You know, the Reader's Digest. Do people even know what Reader's Digest is? Anymore? I call it the Twitter version now. <laughs> okay, that's that's much more timely and appropriate. The Twitter version. Um, so uh, as a kid, I was uh, I was introduced to hardcore pornography, and um, through my teenage years was um into pornography my dad was an early computer guy with a commodore 64 oh i remember that yeah and then aol cds you get these aol cds in the mail yep um so i was i was into online pornography early on uh masturbation exploring my sexuality with animals inanimate objects you know you name it uh sexually active at 14 um in my teenage years, I, uh, a girl that I was dating when I was 16, uh, who subsequently, she and her family le- led me to the Lord when I was 16. Uh, she she also got pregnant when we were 16. So it was part to teenage pregnancy. Um, and then I, I kind of say, by the time I was in college, I was sexually addicted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in the deep rut of self-hate and shame and binge and purge and swear I won't and do it again three days later, you know. Um and then and then at that point through college and, and into early marriage, uh continued acting out uh with pornography and masturbation early in marriage, uh started acting out with people that I'd met online. And um by a few years into our marriage, I had had multiple affairs, uh, hated myself, was suicidal, um, and and felt like God was nowhere to be found. Um and, and, you know, the story, you know, praying a million times for God to take it away and feeling like it's radio silence, you know? Um, so through, through that struggle kind of came to a head for whatever reason, beyond my comprehension, uh, God intervened one day and, uh, and, and basically outed me. Um, he kind of laid, laid a breadcrumb trail for my wife, Shelly, to find that traced back to a prior affair from nine months ago. And, um. And so after finding the breadcrumbs and actually having a phone call with that affair partner, she confronted me. And, uh, and it's at that point that you know, the mocha hit the fan. And, um, and, then, and then that started our process. Uh, a few days after that confrontation, I came clean on everything that I had been doing and all the affairs, um, all, all the acting out that I could possibly think of. And uh, and if she were sitting here, she would tell you that uh, that was the worst day of her life, mm-hmm. and it was also the day that our healing started. Um, so we we talked with some folks, the uh, the pastor that had married us. To, you know, told him the story, kind of unpacked everything. He said, you know, you need help. You're you're going to need to plug into counseling and groups and men and church, and you got to start working a program. And so, uh, at that time, we were living in Dallas, Texas, and. Uh, And I started, started working in a program, started plugging in and doing recovery work and God showed up in that space. Um, and I wish, you know, I wish this at this part in my story, I wish I could say, you know, here's the formula, right? I prayed this prayer and use that scripture and talk to this guy. And, you know, if you plug these pieces in, right, God does something. And we all know it doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, but but God showed up there, and and in that process of recovery, started to change me, and uh, and started to change Shelly, and uh, and so a couple of years into the process, Shelly was uh, at that point committed to stay in the marriage. Finally, um, we started talking to some other people and walking along with them and their journey. I felt called to make this a uh, a life and a career, and so we moved to Denver, went to Denver Seminary to get a counseling degree. And fast forward, I'm skipping all kinds of stuff. Fast forward to today, um, by the grace of God, this, uh, last month was 19 years, um, 19 years of freedom and, uh, you know, no porn, no masturbation, no physical, emotional affairs. Thank the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, uh, Shelly, you know, Shelly and I work through, and, and we've been in process. We're on the slow track. Um, today, things are really sweet in our relationship, and they're also really hard, and um, and it's also really real, yeah. is the way I would say it. You know? Yeah. Um, well,
0: and and both of you are working in this space now, right? I mean, that's yeah, really what yeah. your full time work is. Yep, about a
1: decade ago, uh, Shelly gave up her career as a physical therapist and uh, and then transitioned into helping wives full time and and now that's what she does is coach clients and run groups and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, well, I wanted to I definitely wanted to have you on because I I you know I can't think of anybody that would be better to speak into what it takes to for for men to experience long term freedom. I mean, you're talking about 19 years. That's a long time for you to be on this journey. And to be able to understand, hey, what did it? what is it to go from living from one foundation, which was a foundation of self-centeredness and deception and all kinds of other things that are part of a sexual addiction, to a completely different foundation that is producing fruit of freedom and joy and peace and all kinds of, uh, of multiplication of good through what God is doing in your ministry. So, um I wanted us to focus on that. Like, what are the keys to long-term freedom from unwanted sexual behaviors? So the first thing I wanted to ask you is just what are some of the key principles that are really part of long-term freedom? And I'm not saying that that necessarily there's categorically a, you know different principles for short-term freedom than there are for long-term okay. freedom. But what are some of those really foundational principles that say, you know what, if a guy will really dig deeply into this, these principles then that gives him a great trajectory for having two, three, five, 20 years of long, you know, real freedom from unwanted behaviors.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, that's a good question. That's a hard question too. I mean, to to boil it down to what are some of those principles? Um, So, so first thing I would say is uh, from a character space, uh, humility, humility, uh, day in and day out. The, my, the way I say that at my house is I'm not above bad things on good days. Right. Mm -hmm. And don't even catch me on a bad day. You know, um, in, in 19 years of sobriety and freedom, like there's also been close calls and near misses. Like I'm, I'm one bad decision away from blowing up my whole life again. You know, Mm -hmm. um, I believe in freedom. I believe wholeheartedly that it's for freedom that Christ set us free. And I also believe we're one bad decision away from blowing the whole thing up.
2: Mm -hmm. So
1: so humility as a, as a trait, as a character, uh, quality and, and something to develop, I think is foundational for long-term freedom. Right. At the point where we start thinking, I got this at the point where we start thinking I'm above this, I'm living this out because of my hard work.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and talk a little bit about, I think sometimes it, that can be especially hard if uh, God has called you into this space of ministry, where now, Jason, there's an expectation from the outside that you had better have it all together. you, you yeah. know And so sometimes <laughs> yeah. that even makes it more challenging to really embrace humility, right? Because then you're like, oh my goodness, I still need to be transparent and open. I've got to have safe people in my life that I can confess to. And and not let things slip back into the dark. So talk a little bit about how that manifests in terms of what humility looks like for for you being someone that is, quote unquote, supposed to have
1: it all together because this is what you teach. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, two two answers to that question. Um, the first is. Um, you, you know when you're right, right? And and I know that you experienced this too. It's like somebody looks to you as a, as an expert or somebody who's farther along and that kind of thing, and they want to hold you out and up as as this kind of person. And and there is an influence that comes with being in the position, and there is a there's a gravity that comes with that. And yet, hanging on to the fact that we're just fellow journeymen, right? I don't remember who said the quote. It's like one beggar helping another find bread. Right, like th- that just sticks with me. Like I'm no, if I'm doing a speaking event and they say, "How do you want to be introduced?" I say, "Regular Joe." Like I, I'm no, I'm no better. I'm no farther. I'm I'm just I'm just a couple steps down the path, and that's not that far, kind of thing. So, so for me, like one is just remembering, like I'm I am the regular Joe. I don't I don't have this all figured out. And again, I'm not about bad things on good days. It shows up. It may not show up in my sexual acting out, but it shows up in other ways in my life, right? Just cut me off in traffic and you'll find out real quick. Um, I think the other thing though that i learned early on is I'm, I'm sitting with you know people that I'm walking with and they say something about their acting out or maybe something on the edge of acting out. And I kind of get that ping in my spirit of like, hey, you, you've dabbled up against that edge some too. You know, maybe they talk about something they clicked on online that they shouldn't have. It wasn't pornography and acting out, but boy, it was on the way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I'll get that kind of ping in my spirit. And so what I learned early on is I have to keep a really short account of my own integrity journey with the men in my life, right? With with my wife, with Shelly. I, I keep a really short account So there's, you know, we talk about this a lot in recovery, like you're as sick as your secrets kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So learning early on, in order to stay on the path, I have to keep a really short account. I can't be sitting on secrets. I have to be out and open and give away anything that is even encroaching on my integrity.
0: So let's talk about that for a little bit, because one of the things that you're talking about there is confession, you know, really bringing things out into the light. Can you talk about what that looks like practically in your marriage, but also with other men? Because sometimes that's, you know, for a lot of guys, that's not always uh, um, an equal thing in terms of how, how you actually state those things. So especially for the married guys out there, they're probably thinking, okay, how do I keep those short accounts with my wife? Who's hey? Yep. She's had her own pain regarding this, and how does she travel that? How do how am I gentle with that? But then also, I need men in my life that I'm confessing these things to. Yeah,
1: yeah. So in our process, um, early on, Shelly was like, you know, you're an alien to me. I don't know you. I thought I did. So I need to know everything you're thinking all the time. And and so that's what she asked for. That's what that's what I gave her. And pretty soon she was like you're a sick person. Like I, you, what, I can't believe that's going on in your head. Don't tell me anything. I don't want to know anything. Right. And then, and then our, our counselor helped us get to a place where what he said was, if it's in your mind and you're not acting on it, that goes to accountability guys. If it's something that you're acting on, that goes to your accountability guys and your wife. And that's something that we really embraced and that she has really embraced and appreciated. And so today, not that long ago, I mean, within the last couple of months, there's been a moment where she said, Hey, I just want to make sure again, that anything that's going on in your head, you're talking to your guys about. Yes, I am. Okay, good. You're not acting on anything. No, I'm not. Okay, good. And that's, that's where that line gets drawn. Yeah. If it's in my head, it goes to the guys.
2: Yeah.
0: So, um, so we're talking about here long-term freedom from unwanted sexual behaviors. One of the key characteristics is really developing an attitude of humility, recognizing that listen, we're not better than anybody else and and we're always that, you know, one catastrophic mistake away from really kind of ruining things. The second thing is just a, a need for staying in the open, the idea of confession. What are what are some other things that you can think of that are really key for long-term freedom from unwanted
1: behaviors? Yeah. Well, so we're talking about the the short account and the the confession and accountability, that idea, um, confession and repentance together, r- really with guys, right? And, and I know you, you stand on the soapbox with a megaphone on this. We just, we got to have men in our life. We got to have men in our life who know us inside and out, through and through, that will walk with us and love us, that will admonish us, that will encourage us, that... That at the end of the day, we know we can count on, right? Um, and I'll say for me that uh, the, the the framework that I use is is that we'll never we'll never fully accept acceptance until we're fully known, right? We'll never fully accept someone's acceptance until we're fully known because if somebody doesn't fully know you and they accept you, you still wonder in the back of your head like if you really knew. Would you still love me? Would you still care for me? Would you still accept me, right? So having a handful of guys and, and it's changed, right? In 19 years, there've been seasons of different men along the way. Some, a couple are the whole way through, right? But it ebbs and flows. But having those guys where you know, you can call and say, hey, something popped in my head from 15 years ago and I didn't entertain it, but I'm giving it away that that was there. And them go, thanks, let's not entertain that. And thanks for giving it away and love you in that space I account for you in that space. and then, for me, one of the prerequisites with the guys along the way has also been that they'll hold Shelly in high regard mm-hmm. right that they they wouldn't sit on a secret for me. they would out me because they love me, that they would hold her in high regard and not not shift things onto her as we work through our process over a couple decades,
0: yeah. That's one of the things that my wife and I, we uh, early on, especially uh, I I gave free access uh, to my wife, to everybody in my life. So if I was and the guys that I was co- connecting with and wholly, they knew, hey, listen, whatever I tell you, you are free to tell her, you know, and that's just a thing that we did. I'm not saying that's the rule for everybody. But for that's me, true. I was like, listen, I know exactly. Well, I shouldn't even say that. I was pretty well aware of how deceptive I could be. <laughs> you know, I don't even want to say that I'm fully aware of how deceptive I can be because I know my heart is deceitful. I can be self-deceptive or self-deceived. But for me, it was like open book. I even, I even actually, with my counselor, I signed a document that essentially said, if my wife is calling and she's triggered, she you are free to share things. And I was I was amazed that my counselor would do that. But I was like, thank you for letting me have that kind of freedom um talk a little bit about what even these cuz cuz sometimes uh you know one of the terms that i think is connected to what you're talking about here with having men around us is accountability uh can you talk about what healthy accountability looks like and what unhealthy accountability can look like
1: yeah yeah unhealthy accountability in my opinion and and I I have a lot of them when it comes to this Um, unhealthy accountability is the bad cops in your life. The guys who are supposed to ask you the hard questions, the guys who are supposed to hold you accountable. You know, it's, it's the guys that that's unhealthy. Also unhealthy, equally as unhealthy is the rah-rah group right it's the group of guys that you come to and say you failed every week or you you know whatever thing is going on and and really y'all's relationship is based upon did you or did you not do some bad behavior if you did yay if you didn't we're sorry and yay will encourage you right Th- those are bad those are, those are yuck right really what we want is people who will know us and care about us enough to ask questions that matter but that we will bring our life in front of. Mm-hmm. There's nobody in my life to hold me accountable. There are several people that I'm accountable to, right? And because we know each other, and because they love me, they know some questions to ask that are pertinent to my journey, right? But they're not the bad cop. Mm-hmm. And that relationship kind of meanders. This is the only way I know to describe it. It's like kind of like a river, right? It meanders, and sometimes it's it's sort of meandering this way around the bend towards encouragement and love, and and sometimes it's over this way with them challenging, going, I don't know if your thinking's right here. I don't know if the way you're looking at this is right. We got we need to take some other angles. But all of that ebb and flow, all of that meandering, is under the banner of we love you and care for you enough to encourage you, enough to out you. Right, it's that kind of thing. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, yeah. One of the one of the key lines that I try to draw as a distinction between what we might consider healthy and unhealthy accountability is um, I must know that I am responsible for the decisions that I make in my life. In other words, I'm accountable before God and before those who care about me for what I do. I can't pass that off to somebody else and say, hey, Jason, will you hold me accountable for the decisions I make? How can you do that? You're not with me 24 seven and it's not even a responsibility that you should have. Totally. Um, However, when, when Christ and the New Testament calls us to all of this one anothering, that I think is what healthy accountability is in the sense of like, we're to love one another, we're to care for one another, we're to bear one another's burdens, we're to pray for each other, we're to confess our sins to each other. All of that one anothering is not taking away the personal responsibility that I have before God in terms of what I'm doing. But you know what, man, what an enrichment it is to our lives mutually. Because then it's like, I can actually have friends in my life that were like, I love the way you kind of gave it kind of a river uh, uh, analogy of like, hey, you're kind of bending this way. And oh, great. Let's keep encouraging that you're bending that way. Well, let's kind of come back this other way. And so there's a flow to it that I think is really good. So humility, um, you know, we need to have confession. We've got to have accountability. Uh, and there's many more things that we could talk about. And I think these are so vital to long-term freedom, but I also want to talk about the obstacles. Um, What are some things that you've seen maybe in your own journey, but also as you work with other men who they just, they struggle to get into that kind of the long-term freedom. What are some of the obstacles that prevent guys from really experiencing lifelong freedom from their unwanted behaviors? I mean, the
1: the easy one, right? The layup is secrets mm-hmm. in any area of your life, right? So we talk with a lot of guys who they're they're clean, they're out around their sexual integrity issues, but they're still lying about what they're doing with money, right? They're, they're still stealing from the government in the way that they put personal expenses under their business. They're still lying about the fish story. Yeah, I don't know. I'm making that up, right? But, you know, this idea of radical honesty across the entire spectrum of our lives. That's, that's like a huge obstacle. You you can't have integrity in one area and lack it in another. And that house of cards stand for very long. Right. Yeah. Um, the, The other thing that I see though, is if we think about recovery, especially somebody who leans in on recovery in the beginning, what happens is I kind of think of it like a staircase. It's like, You go a little bit and then you hit a wall and you have to work through stuff and learn stuff. Maybe it's about the way you look at the world. Maybe it's about your theology. It's your faith. It's your childhood. It's your, you hit a wall and then you kind of climb that step and then you go a little bit and wham, you hit a wall and you learn and you grow. And in the beginning of recovery, it's like, you know, wham, up, wham, up, wham, up, wham, up. And then as recovery goes, the spaces start growing. You, you hit a plateau and you go a while with the cement drying on your recovery, and then you hit a new challenge and wall and you learn and grow and you, you go up. And what happens, I think, for a lot of guys is they get in the middle of one of those long stretches where it's a plateau, it's, it's a new place of cement drying on recovery, and they, they become disillusioned or misinformed with the idea that they've arrived there. That is the end of the journey hmm. And it and the transition point that I see so often is at some point recovery comes about. You know, what we're running to, not what we're running from.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that plateau place where I see people hit. You know, you know, people listening, you can't see me using my hands drawing the little stare analogy, but you hit that place where you're out of the weeds, you're out of the crisis. The temptation isn't overwhelming. You've got sobriety. You know, the dust is settled on the marital stuff if you're married, you're really like, you feel good. You can see yourself in the mirror and see a good man. And it's, it's a good place, mm-hmm. but the, the challenge, like the, the, the risk, the danger there is going, ah, oh, okay, now I've gotten here. I'm no longer running from anything, but if, if you don't shift and and let's just say if you and your spirit and the Holy Spirit don't interact to figure out what you're running to, uh, it's that's like the X factor I see on guys relapsing. Mm-hmm. Let's say after a year of sobriety, whether you're a year or ten years, when I see somebody relapse consistently, the missing element is they either lost or never found what they're running to. Mm. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. One of, one of the ways we like to frame it around here is we say, you've got to go on a growth mission. And that growth mission, I actually even believe that growth mission is never finished. Even when we're in heaven, if God is, is who he says he is, which is this infinite being, meaning he's infinitely creative, do I even think in heaven that I'm done with my growth mission? It's like there's going to be constant learning and growing. So I think the more we can become practiced in that now. Of like, and I love the the way you use the the stair analogy because sometimes those steps they get really they do get really long on the horizontal sections. Yes. And in one way, we should say praise God for the long horizontal sections <laughs> where yes. there's no crisis, there's no acting out, there's nothing like that. But if we get stuck on that, like you said, well then the continued journey of stepping and growing and improving comes to a halt. And yes. We know that no human being is static, right? So we're going to either be moving forward or backward. And so, can you talk about that? You mentioned it a little bit about about relapse, but how does a guy how how can a guy respond in a healthy way when he finds himself either stuck on one of those horizontal stretches, or he's actually found himself veering off into an, an old behavior, and he actually does relapse and real and realizes, oh my goodness, it's been it's been a year since I've acted out and how did this happen? So walk us through how a guy can, you know, recover from a relapse, even if it's been a long time of sobriety.
1: Yeah. It's so disheartening. I mean, oh, it's heartbreaking. You know, it's uh, it's so hard to see and, and into ex- experience with someone. Um, so I, so framework wise, let's, let's take just a step back to 30,000 feet What you were just saying, it's recovery is just another way of saying sanctification, Mm -hmm. which is our ongoing journey of becoming like Christ. And so if we look at if we look at recovery and, and replace it with the word sanctification, we say recovery, sanctification is about the character change in my mind, my heart, my body, my soul. It's the character change that's ongoing on this long range trajectory of becoming more and more who god is calling me to be which reflects his son which means sexual acting out in our addiction as well as in a relapse is really not about sex as you say so often it's it's not about sex Mm -hmm. it's about what's going on in our heart and our soul and so if we look at it through that lens and then we go in and we say okay relapse wasn't because you were bored. It wasn't because you were overwhelmed. It wasn't because you were lonely. It wasn't because there was a pop-up ad or the woman flirted with you at the Chipotle, whatever your thing is. It's because something is happening in your heart and soul. That relapse is just a big neon sign flashing going, your heart and your soul are longing for something more. They're longing for something more. And God is calling you towards something more. So if we have it in that framework, we can go, okay, relapse doesn't have to be a part of recovery, but if it is, we can leverage it to look at what was it going on in my heart and soul, what, what was the need, what was the longing, what, what was I maybe at nine months into the process really engaged in that I led up on, right, what was it that was going on inside me, so when I look at, at relapse, I say, okay, first thing we're going to do is go upstream and ask the questions of how do we get here? Because we're not good on a Thursday night and wake up on Friday morning and blow up our lives, right? We mm-hmm. just doesn't work that but, but there's upstream stuff. So I got to look at what was going on upstream in my heart and soul. The, then I want to look at what were the character traits that God was trying to grow in me that I was either A, not present to, B, ignoring straight up denying, resisting, right? I want to look at what, what, what is at work. If we think about it conceptually, like I, I kind of think of it like this, God is always doing something in us, through us, and around us. So what was God up to in the days leading up to my slip? What didn't I see that I, that I could see now? Kind mm-hmm. of thing? That's then I'm then I'm going to go back if I'm going to leverage relapse for recovery. Then I'm going to go back and look at uh, tactically. And I, I try not to get too hung up in this stuff, but tactically, I want to look at: okay, was I being radically honest about all areas of my life? Are there are there boundaries that I set up that I started to walk on? Mm-hmm. Are there are there small secrets I was sitting on? Did I stay connected with community the way I thought I was or the way I said I needed to? Right. I'm gonna start doing some of those tactical analysis as well. Right. And then last thing I would say, I'm no, I'm on a soapbox here. Last thing I would say is I'm looking at that, that bigger picture of like, what's my, why, what am I running to? What am I running to? Cause if I'm keeping my eyes set on what I'm running to, if I'm keeping my eyes set on my, why not my, why not? Mm-hmm that's going to inform the way that I approach my recovery and that's going to inform the way I approach a relapse.
0: Yeah. So let's, um, as we, as we have a few minutes left, I'd I'd like for you to be able to share, you know, 19 years you've been on this journey. What has, uh, what has this looked like for you in terms of engaging these practices? How would you even break that down maybe into seasons because I mean, I know for my own story, it's, you know, it's been 23 years for me. And so a lot of times awesome. that breaks down into various seasons of growth and seasons of freedom. I want you to share that because I want I want guys to hear from someone who, hey, has been on this journey for a long time. That's enough. That's certainly long enough to have seen seasons. It's long enough to have some scars. Um, what mm-hmm. has that looked like? And why would you say to a man out there, it's worth it? To go on this journey of pursuing
1: long-term freedom. So I'm gonna work backwards. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there there was a there was a season in my story in my addiction where I would dodge reflective windows and mirrors, right? Because I didn't want to see the guy that was looking back at me. So if mm-hmm. I were walking down the street and I and there was literally a big plain plate glass window, I would avoid it. Because I hated, I hated who I saw. And when I saw myself, I saw a monster, I saw a pervert, right? I saw somebody who doesn't deserve love, somebody who's worthless. And I saw somebody who was a perpetual failure to God, right? That that just summarized the guy looking back at me. Um, it's a really, it's a good feeling, man. Mm-hmm. It's a good feeling to look in the mirror and go, I like who I see. There's a good man looking back at me. There's a I'm not perfect, but I stand before God going, I'm with you and I'm trying. And 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 to feel that sense that God looks back and goes, I know, and I got you. I'm proud of you. Mm-hmm. Proud of you. To to have that sense of, you know what, I've done bad things, but. I'm not a monster, I'm not a monster, I'm not a pervert, right, like to know I'm dearly loved and infinitely valuable, and no amount of bad behavior can change that, there's something about recovery, and again, I put that in the framework of sanctification, that, that you, the farther you go on that journey, and the more you lean in on that, the more you get to see the fruit of that, the more you get to experience that, kind of like, in your soul y'all are listening you can't see me pointing it like my heart and my gut right it's like you get to experience that in a deep way Mm -hmm. right so so that's the biggest that's for me that's the biggest why it's just like there's such a sweet thing there Mm -hmm. Um, and and i'm not i'm not a works-based theology person so i i I don't believe in like you got to work hard and please god but I do believe that God will say, hey, what'd you do with the redemption I offered you? Mm-hmm. Which is what motivated me partly to be in this line of work. right? I want to stand before God in day and he goes, what did you do with that redemption I offered you? I want to say, I tried to make good on it with everything I had in every fiber of my being. right? Yeah. And then God high five that, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I would yeah, say
0: so, one of the ways that I picture it is that... Um there's absolutely nothing that we can do to earn God's favor. So it's all by grace. And I actually believe that once we understand that in the core of our being, there's nobody that will work harder at living a holy life than those who understand that. Yeah. Not because we are thinking we're earning anything before God, but because we realize all that we've been given by God. And therefore That's why I think it's worth it for men to say, I want to be free. I want to be free from all these things that are distracting me from the purpose and the meaning that God has given me in my life. And I want to to be able to see clearly the grace Mm -hmm. that he's given to me, clearly the identity that he's given me in his son, Jesus. And so, um, and I think you and I both have a similar uh, mission and desire for men. Um, We're not as concerned about having a neat little experience on even a weekend we want to say, you know what? We want to see your life transformed 5, 10, 20, 30 years from now that maybe this was a point in time that changed the trajectory for, for the rest of your life, but it's not always about just the moment.
1: So yes, as we wrap
0: up here,
2: yeah,
0: as we wrap up here, just what word of encouragement would you give to the guys out there that are maybe wherever they are in the journey, but maybe they're feeling like they're struggling to catch the long-term vision what, what hope and encouragement would you give to them? And then also, where can uh, guys uh, learn more about what you guys are doing and your resources?
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, first I would say you can do it. Like, you know, God is still in the business of redemption. God is still in the business of redemption. And God's rate of, of redemption is faster than your rate of destruction. What took you 25 years to get into will not take you 25 years to get out of right? God wants to accelerate redemption. I wholeheartedly believe that. And there's this there's this there's a sense sometimes when you're in it that it'll work for other people, but it won't, won't work for you. Right. Like God will show up for other people, but God won't show up. for you. He will. He will. Mm-hmm. It might look different than it looks in other people's life, but he will. Right. And you can do it. It is so possible. It is so possible. And and these principles we talked about today, and you can list 106 more, like these principles, are, it's not rocket science. It's hard, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's not rocket science. These principles are doable. They're attainable. Like they are, they are. So that, that's the first thing. The second thing though, I would say is you, when you're in it, if you're having trouble catching that long-term vision, if if you're maybe you got a few months of sobriety, you're in that kind of space. You, you'll catch a vision for the future. You'll you'll start to flesh out more of the why and what you're running to in the context of community, mm-hmm. not just not just the the old boys club. That's not what I'm talking about, right? In the, in the community of men that will love you, know you fully, that whole thing we talked about a minute ago, it's in that context that you'll start to discover more of that why and that what's out there. So, so make sure that you are pursuing that wholeheartedly, prayerfully, that you are chasing after that community because you'll find some of what you're needing in there,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Yeah, it's so worth it. The other thing we didn't talk about, just a quick, one other thing I know we're about out of time. the other thing we didn't talk about is is what well, part of what we do today and where my heart has moved towards so much is is relational redemption. And there's also a piece to be said, and I, I know you live this day in and day out. It's like there's something really special about being in relationship by by that. I mean, married to someone who knows the ins and outs, the ugly and everything. Mm-hmm that you do that kind of raw, real intimacy with, that's also, that also makes it worth it.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. So where can folks go to find out uh, more about you guys and your
1: resources? Yeah. redemptiveliving.com Um We, we help men, marriages, wives uh, walk through the process and pursue that redemption that we're all talking about.
0: Awesome. Well, Jason, man, this has been a great conversation. I know it's going to help a lot of guys to, really get on that long-term track of of freedom and and redemption. Uh, thank you for being with us and for continuing to do the work and uh and and you know congratulations on 19 years of of living in this freedom.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Well listeners, we're going to put all that information in the show notes and um if you want some help with just next steps, that's what we're about. We want to help you take your next best step uh, no matter where that's going to take you in terms of resources or, or who you need to be connected with, we don't care. We just want to help you take your next best step. So please reach out to us. And we're glad you've been here. And we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care.
1: Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at
2: puresexradio.com.